How many times over the last 20 months have we heard the slogan, follow the science? But which science exactly are we to follow? On October 15, 2021, I tweeted the following. I don't know who needs to hear this, but scientists are not cut from finer cloth than the rest of humanity. Many are willing to fudge data, omit inconvenient results from reports, or straight-up lie for money, prestige, or advancement. Shall we follow that science? And this is a far, far larger problem than most people imagine. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. I'm now going to share with you the observations of several professionals in the research community who have expressed dismay at the lack of integrity in modern science. I'm going to be looking down quite a bit as I share this with you because it's, I want to make sure I get their quotes, their sentiments correct, so I'm going to be looking down at what they wrote. Let's start with a July 5th, 2021 op-ed in the British Medical Journal written by Richard Smith, who was a co-founder of the Committee on Medical Ethics for many years, the chair of the Cochrane Library Oversight Committee, and a member of the board of the UK Research Integrity Office. The name of the op-ed is Time to Assume That Health Research is Fraudulent Until Proven Otherwise, and I'll put a link down in the notes. I'm going to share with you several parts from that op-ed, and let's start with this one. Quote, As he described in a webinar last week, Ian Roberts, professor of epidemiology at the London School of Hygiene and Tropical Medicine, began to have doubts about the honest reporting of trials after a colleague asked him if he knew that his systematic reviews showing that mannitol halved deaths from head injury was based on trials that had never happened. He didn't. But he said about investigating the trials and confirmed that they had not ever happened. They all had a lead author who purported to have come from an institution that did not exist and who killed himself a few years later. The trials were all published in prestigious neurosurgery journals and had multiple co-authors. None of the co-authors had contributed patients to the trials, and some didn't even know they were co-authors until after the trial was published. When Roberts contacted one of the journals, the editor responded that, I wouldn't trust the data. Why, Roberts wondered, did he publish the trial? Are you ready for the last line of this part? None of the trials have been retracted. Here are some other parts from that same op-ed. Quote, We have long known that peer review is ineffective at detecting fraud. As an aside, on my computer I have 20, 22 different means by which researchers can completely game peer review. So they can use any one or multiple of these 20 or 22, I forget the exact number now, mechanisms by which they can thwart the intent of peer review, which is to somehow substantiate the validity of the research. You can understand why in the op-ed they say, we have long known that peer review is ineffective at detecting fraud. And this, 
Researchers progress by publishing research, and because the publication system is built on trust and peer review, peer review that we just talked about, is not designed to detect fraud, it is easy to publish fraudulent research. The business model of journals and publishers depends on publishing, preferably lots of studies as cheaply as possible. They have little incentive to check for fraud and a positive disincentive to experience reputational damage and possibly legal risk from retracting studies. The op-ed goes on to say, regulators often lack the legal standing and the resources to respond to what is clearly extensive fraud, recognizing that proving a study to be fraudulent as opposed to suspecting it of being fraudulent is a skilled, complex, and time-consuming process. Another problem is that research is increasingly international, with participants from many institutions in many countries. Who then takes on the unenviable task of investigating fraud? And this, we are realizing that the problem is huge. The system encourages fraud, and we have no adequate way to respond. It may be time to move from assuming that research has been honestly conducted and reported to assuming it is to be untrustworthy until there is some evidence to the contrary. From a 2015 editorial in The Lancet, it was observed that, quote, much of the scientific literature, perhaps half, may simply be untrue, close quote. And from a 2015 British Academy of Medical Sciences report, it was suggested that false discovery rate in some areas of biomedicine could be as high as 69%. In an email exchange between reporter Ronald Bailey and Stanford University biostatistician John Ioannidis, Ioannidis estimated that the non-replication rates in biomedical observational and preclinical studies could be as high as 90%. In my own book on human physiology, Body Science, I have an entire chapter in which I talk about research fraud. On page 79, in an attempt to quantify the level of fraud, I write, Ironically, even the giant processed food conglomerates have to deal with this tsunami of false research claims. Those enterprises who need solid science from which to develop their latest and greatest products have found that in 43% of cases, their in-house laboratories, which are the best money can buy, cannot replicate the results detailed in published scientific study reports. I take it you're getting the point, whether it's the British Academy of Medical Sciences, whether it's the Lancet, whether it's the British Medical Journal, uh, and there are a number of research ethicists saying the same thing across the globe. The message is this is a pervasive problem in science. In other words, fraud is running rampant in science. But let's bring this back around to something more timely and with more practicality. Let's talk about Pfizer and its $2.3 billion criminal and civil fine back in 2009. In a September 2009 Department of Justice press conference, the attorney speaking for the Department of Justice said that Pfizer was engaged in 
illegal promotion of various drugs and practices with the intent to defraud or mislead that directly put patients at risk. Michael K. Laux, acting United States attorney for the Massachusetts District, said of that settlement, quote, among the factors we considered in calibrating this severe punishment was Pfizer's recidivism. I was looking at a database of fines attributed to the various pharmaceutical companies. And the way it reads is basically this, company A, company B, Pfizer, 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 company X, company Y, Pfizer, 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 and so on, all down the list. Pfizer is clearly, as Attorney Lauks phrased it, recidivists. John Kopchinski is a former Pfizer sales representative, and it was his initial complaint to the United States government that after a four-year investigation produced that $2.3 billion criminal and civil judgment, said, quote, the whole culture of Pfizer is driven by sales. And if you didn't sell drugs illegally, you were not seen as a team player, close quote. Prosecutors said that they had become so alarmed at the ever-increasing criminality in the pharmaceutical industry, that's why they made the decision to increase fines into the billions of dollars range in order to try and rein in big pharma criminality. In another case, Pfizer paid a fine of $430 million for manipulation of studies to suppress data of adverse effects. And then later, about nine years later, they paid an additional $325 million. So what are they up to? Some $750 million for suppressing study data the public was entitled to know before the product hit the market? This one is particularly disturbing. This took place in 2011. Pfizer was forced to pay compensation to families of children killed in the controversial Trovan drug trial during the worst meningitis epidemic seen in Africa. In 1996, Pfizer ran a trial in Nigeria of their new drug, Trojan. Five of the 100 children who took Trojan died, and it caused liver damage and lifelong disabilities for those who survived. Pfizer holds the dubious distinction of having the second highest level of fines in the pharmaceutical industry for all time. Want to know who's in third place? Johnson & Johnson. But don't let any of this concern you because... Whatever suppression of facts, whatever fraud, whatever criminality, whatever illegality they engaged in to make hundreds of millions of dollars, I'm certain they absolutely would engage in nothing like that. They have absolutely no liability issues to be concerned about and the potential to make tens of billions of dollars. So when you hear somebody saying, follow the science, Ask them to distinguish for you between valid, factual science and fraudulent science and watch their eyes glaze over because they have absolutely no idea what you're talking about. If you would like to get the 100% straight scoop 
on physiology with an emphasis on nutritional physiology, do yourself a favor. Run over to drreality.news. Grab yourself a copy of Body Science. Um, I don't know how many thousands of people have read Body Science, but the reviews have been, they're on the website, but I, I see them on social media all the time. And readers rave about what they learned in Body Science. And on the website, you can look at the reviews there, which are a fraction of those that I've seen over the years. In other words, you will be getting fraud-free, 100% valid, 100% accurate, 100% honest science in body science. Also, if you'd like to see the 100% accurate law concerning who Congress has really imposed the income tax on, as opposed to the establishment narrative that you've been heard your whole life, uh, pick up a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Myths. Because when it comes to government, they conduct the same exact kind of fraud we've been talking about here in the medical research community. And perhaps the number one example of the government attempting to defraud the entire population of the United States is their false narrative concerning the income tax and who it's been imposed upon. Um, Just give you a little hint, uh, Congress has imposed the income tax on a tiny, 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 tiny percentage of the American population, which of course, as you know, is dramatically different than the false narrative you've grown up with. So if you want to find out the truth about that, grab yourself a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Myths. By purchasing a copy of Body Science or Income Tax Shadow in the Mist, you help me be here to deliver these kinds of facts to you. Thank you. Mm-hmm.